Hello and welcome to What a Picture, a movie podcast where we go through the sight and sound greatest films of all time critics poll week by week and discuss what makes a great film great. I am Brian. And I am Hannah. Today we are talking about a movie called Black Girl. Um, and I'm excited to get into this. Yeah, for sure. So this week was my week to pick. Um and you know, I wanted to make sure that we picked a move picked movies so that we weren't always watching ones that we knew or had seen. Um, and I was excited to see what Senegal had to offer. Hmm. Um, so this movie was um made by okay, we're just gonna go ahead and say it. We are not French speakers, we do not have French accents, we're gonna butcher some stuff. So I very apologize, Osman Simbin. So uh, Black Girl, or na, uh, La Noire Day, which is um, essentially Black Girl of, um, mm-hmm. but for for the American, uh, this was um, kind of re-released, remastered in 2016. And so the English-speaking subtitle one is called Black Girl. So that's what we're going to call it. So this was released in 1966 and set about during that time. Um, Black Girl, it tells the story of a woman named Diwana. She's a Senegalese woman, and she finds work as the children's nanny to a white French couple um, that splits their time between Senegal and France. This takes place, um, well, Senegal was colonized by the French for a long period of time. Um, and and uh, Senegal demanded and asserted and gained its independence um, in 1960. So this is six years-ish after um, independ- it became an independent country. Um, so Diwana, she joyfully jumps at the opportunity to accompany this family back to France, um, excited to watch their children. That's what she was hired for, is to watch their children. And she wants to explore a city. Um, but upon arrival, she learns that she is now expected to be the maid to the family, taking on the cooking and the cleaning. Um, the kids aren't there for most of the time. And she's receiving just pretty distant treatment from the husband and pretty hostile treatment from the wife. Um, and she's heartbroken. Heartbroken over kind of the deception and the deceit that brought her up here and just the outright lies that have been told to her by the family or the couple. And that she's perceived, um, she's perceiving imprisonment at, at what they're doing to her. Diwana ultimately resigns her job and then commits suicide in the couple's home. Um, so this was, uh, that's the movie. It's only about an hour long, um, filled with beautiful, beautiful heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of the movie, Brian? So uh, on the being an hour long, I thought it was the perfect length for the movie. Totally. I uh, didn't feel like they needed to add anything. You know, you get these uh, flashbacks to Duana's life back in Senegal before she was hired that I think establish her as a character very well. I was pretty uh, struck by the, not, not really the suicide, but the cut from the suicide, which I wasn't really expecting yeah. uh, suicide there. That was at all. surprising. Uh, because, you know, you see her packing her bag and you think, okay, she's leaving. She's going back to Senegal. But yeah. no, she commits suicide. But the cut from the suicide to French people playing at a beach yeah. was very affecting for me because it's 
right outside their door and it's what she thought she was getting and what she was really not allowed to participate in. Interesting. That it it was really effective for me, that sort of quick cut to, hey, here's a bunch of French people playing on a beach. A bunch of white French people enjoying Mm -hmm. their summer vacation. Yeah. While the person who was essentially robbed of that dream has taken her life. Yeah, that's that's powerful. Yeah, so I was close to tears. I would say I did not cry. Uh, I wouldn't have minded crying. I've only cried at two movies that I can remember. That's it. Okay, that's it. I cry constantly. Okay, so here are the two movies I cried at. You're going to laugh at me for sure. You strongly okay. cried. Toy Story 3. Well, duh. Everybody cried at Toy Story 3. The yeah. part where, where they're going down into the yeah, they all shoot. hold hands. Yeah. yeah, totally. Not a dry eye. Mm-hmm. So that. And then Captain Marvel. I remember you telling me about that one. Yeah. So I, uh, you were uh, pregnant with our daughter at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she was about to be born in three months. And so strong women, you know? Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. He came home and he was telling me about it. And it's, it's this story of this. I actually haven't seen Captain Marvel, which is shocking since mm-hmm. it made you cry. I, I want to be able to relate to that, but yeah, apparently she does something that's a, that's a, that's a strong woman situation. Mm-hmm. And, not a very well liked movie among the uh, Marvel canon. Well, I'm going to blame sexism for that one. Yeah, but... it did well at the box office. Yeah, I'm sure it did. Mm-hmm. You know, because women go see movies. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Okay, back to uh, back to Black Girls. So we talked a little bit about this, but just to bring up the, the historical context again and kind of how that what where we're put into right now. So. Um, I think as Americans, a lot of times we think about the racism in our own country, but we don't really think about the fact that Africa was colonized by various European countries for a very, very long time, including now. Um, so so uh, France and kind of Portugal really maintained a lot of the stronghold over West Africa, um, primarily for the slave trade. So they were a big part of that big triangle of horribleness um yeah senegal is now like a presidential republic they have mm-hmm. democratically elected leaders that are primarily senegalese but but france did occupy this area and control so much of it for so long um in 1960 senegal uh did maintain or gain their independence but six years later and presumably five i think uh this is based off a story written in or uh, adapted in 1962, but very mm. shortly after this independence, I mean, the social construct is still there. The white supremacy is still there in this country. You mm-hmm. see Diwana um, from an essentially slums leave to go walk on foot to go find a job, um, knowing that she could probably go find a white couple to work for, which she does. But it's just, I think it's very interesting looking at kind of the different ways that people of color are treated by white people in this movie. Okay, what did you think about um, something that Diawana does when she gets her job? Is she gives her employers a mask. Mm-hmm. And it is um, this beautiful Senegalese with like wood carved mask. Mm-hmm. She gives it to her employers. What do you think about that? 
So the mask is sort of a recurring motif mm-hmm. in the movie. For me, I took it as pretty simply representing uh, Senegalese culture. Hmm. And she, in a dramatic movie move at the uh, end of the movie, sort of takes it back right. uh, from the wife. And they have this struggle over it of... So I think there's there's some symbolism there, but I don't read like too deeply into it other than just it represents, you know, Senegal, Senegalese culture. And so she doesn't want to give that gift to them anymore. Okay. I kind of read it that the mask, I agree. And I also read it that the mask, um, kind of represents Diawana herself. Mm-hmm. So she kind of gives herself to these employers. When she first gives it to them at their home in Senegal, they are, um, they say, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. Where should we put it? And they kind of look and there's all these other beautiful African artifacts around their their mm-hmm. home. Um, and then when Diawana gets to their home in France, they brought it with them. Um, and it's by itself on a white wall. And yeah. so now it's her fully surrounded by all this whiteness. None of her culture is there. And she's almost trapped on this wall of whiteness by herself. Um, and then her taking it back is a way of trying to regain some of her independence, trying to regain some of her autonomy. Um, mm. But it's interesting at the very end of the movie, um, after, after she's committed suicide, the, the husband employer is back in Senegal. Um, did he go back early? Did they go back for their regularly scheduled, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of months a year there? Um, and he brings uh, Diwana's suitcase and the mask and the money that they owe her to Diwana's mother. Um, and Diwana's mother rejected the money, kept the mask and the suitcase. Um, just said Diwana had rejected the money uh, right before she committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, which in my head, I was like, I get that this, this is a stand you're taking, but also you you worked. Take your money, but it's fine. Um, but then the little boy in the village, um, a little black boy, kind of puts on the mask and follows the husband out of the village. And I don't really know what that means. I don't know if that's him saying like, our culture one will never be forgotten. I don't know if it's a stand of like Senegalese power against the French colonizers and now ruling, you know, socially ruling party. Um, but you kind of just see this boy, you know, the the husband is kind of walking and a little bit faster and faster. He keeps looking back at the boy who just is mm-hmm. holding the mask over his face and continues to walk with it. Um, so that was powerful. Yeah, it was, you can't escape this. We'll yeah. always be with you sort of thing mm-hmm. was how I took it. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing I loved, um, and it was also heartbroken by, um, do you want to, when she, you see her get on or getting off of the ship, I'm assuming that took her from Senegal up to France. Um, and she is dressed in this beautiful gown. Um, just, just beautiful. She's got jewelry on, she's got her hair wrapped. I mean, she really does look beautiful and heels. And 
for a long time, every day when she's stuck in the apartment in France, she's still trying to look beautiful. It's still this, this, this last bit of hope holding out that she will go and explore the city kind of in her internal monologue or her voiceover. You hear her talking about all the beautiful dresses she'll wear and she'll bring back. Um, and she's just trying so hard to kind of live out her dreams through her, what she chooses to wear. And at one point the wife even says like, take off those heels. Like you're going to be around the house all day and kind of puts her down. Like, why would you bother dreaming? Um, yeah. it's, it's heartbreaking. It really is. And what's interesting too, is those clothes are, were given to her as hand-me-downs from the wife. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and it, it really is heartbreaking, and you can see how she would feel that there's no way out other than suicide, where she's in a foreign country, mm -hmm. and even if she were to leave, could she expect better treatment from the city as a whole? Or than... from another white family. Exactly. I mean, if she's looking, if she only sees her job opportunities as being a nanny or a maid for a white family. And this was the treatment she received. How is it going to be better? I under it's, it's, she's, she's first imprisoned by this family, but then also imprisoned in kind of what she sees as her only means of survival mm -hmm. is to continue to be enslaved by white people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. The, uh, director Sembeni uh, conceived of this story after reading essentially the newspaper clipping that you see at the end of the film. Mm -hmm. And so working backwards from Black Maid commits suicide in France and giving that character, which was not present in the newspaper clipping, in internal life and mm. vocalizing her thoughts through narration. Mm. And I especially noticed the emotion in the narration towards the end of her life yeah. as she's emphatically choosing, I will not be a slave. I thought that was really powerful. Yeah. Cause it starts off with, this wasn't what I was expecting. Where are the children? And then it transitions to her saying they lied. They lied. It, it was almost like she was willing to forgive them maybe a little bit of confusion to they are actively imprisoning me here. Um, they brought me here under false pretenses and now I'm trapped. Um, the, the, we need to talk about the part with the letter too. That oh was my goodness. Yeah. Did you? So um, essentially her mother writes her a letter um and do you want to can't read or write and so the husband reads her the letter um and he doesn't he he it's some hard things in the letter and he just reads it he yeah. doesn't like stop for like are you okay he just reads it um and the letter basically is the mother being like i'm in ill health i'm i have no money why haven't you sent me any money you waste all your money away on dresses you you don't care about me um yeah, how did you how did you take that? Yeah, it you know, the the letter from the mother was clearly heartbreaking and then I thought it was very interesting and really uh showed 
how little this family had thought about Juana's feelings that they then take it upon themselves. Oh, you can't write. We'll write a response back. And it's all of this happy stuff. And she says, you know, this isn't, you know, I'm, I don't want you to write this yeah. for me, essentially. I mean, at one point, she's just saying there quietly. He goes, oh, I'll just keep writing. Let me know if you disagree. So on that note, I think we're done. I think this was um, hard to watch. Not in that it was particularly graphic or particularly abusive in a, in a violent or physical way, but you just kind of see Juana, this, this beautiful woman come from a place of, of joy and optimism and, and bright feelings about the future through such heartbreak and such despair at kind of the dreams she had for herself that she thought she had attained being ripped away. Um, it's heartbreaking. It's beautiful. We definitely recommend watching it if you haven't already. I know we we spoiled a lot, but there's so much that you can't talk about in a podcast. It's just great to experience. So, um, Brian. All right. Well, it is time for our fact about 2001 A Space Odyssey. Is it tactless to just go right into your funny fact? Absolutely not. Okay. Okay. So... I'm I'm attempting to convince Hannah by movie 100 when we're going to watch 2001 of Space Odyssey. I'm attempting to convince her of its greatness. And uh, we won't even need to watch it, right? Exactly, because you'll know everything about the movie that you need to know. So uh, today's reason that this movie is great is that Stanley Kubrick invented iPads in this movie. Sure he did. Yeah, so that is this movie. Now, next week, we are going to watch Rajaman. I'm so excited. Yes. Never seen it before. This is Brian's pick. He's seen it. He may or may not have been asking me to watch it with him for months. I keep putting it off. Yes. I'm excited, though. It'll be interesting. So this is available to watch on HBO Max, as well as the Criterion channel, which is becoming a theme with these movies. that They're available in both places, which is quite nice. Yeah. Nice for people to be able to see them and have options. And have options. And with that, we're out. Thanks, y'all.